you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics with a paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters and everyone in between. I can't believe I'm saying this, Ben. I've got another job. This is becoming quite a regular thing. I know, and it's weird. I, I, you can tell there's a little uh, trepidation in my voice because I've said it before. I'm sure people think I'm making it up, but I swear to God I'm not. So for those who don't know, we do this quite a lot. If we have any strange coincidences or weird things going on, just one of those things, jots. We, uh, me and Ben agreed when we started doing this podcast, we tell each other about them. That's right. And I'm, I'm, if this was a competition, <laughs> I'm winning hands down, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not even off the starting line. Yeah. And uh, I've had quite a few with a drive that I regularly do where lots of weird coincidences have happened. But that this isn't one of those. This is... Uh, connected with last week's podcast actually so last week we did a podcast on alien implants terry lovelace story and some others Mm -hmm. but we mainly focused on terry lovelace right Mm -hmm. yep i've got a friend of mine who we we haven't seen each other for a while we occasionally uh zoom and we whatsapp a fair amount and when i launched the podcast uh she said to me I'm going to apologise up front, Peter. I'm not going to listen to it because I really don't... I'm not into the paranormal and I don't like that kind of thing. So you're not going to be offended if I never listen to your podcast, if I don't follow you on Facebook or do any of those things because I'm not interested. I'm like, yeah, fair enough, that's fine. You don't <laughs> You don't have to be a... be a, You can still be my friend if, even if you're not buying into the podcast. Anyway, mm-hmm. she's she was away uh, on summer holiday and... Uh, she sent me a WhatsApp on Monday about, I guess, an hour after we published our last podcast. And she said, oh, I was thinking about you on holiday because I've been reading up about this paranormal story. She said, have you heard of Terry Lovelace? <laughs> and wow. I thought she would. I said, are you joking? I said, I've just published our podcast an hour ago. And it's on Terry Lovelace and alien implants. Are you taking the piss? I said. And she just sent me one back saying, oh, my God, the hairs on the back of my neck have just stood up on end. Wow. Wow. So how would she discover the story? Was it by the book? No, I think she was on holiday and she'd read an article about it. It wasn't the book itself because I I, obviously then got on the phone and said, Honestly, are you are you winding me up? Did you know we just published this podcast? She said, no, I mm. knew nothing about it. She said, no, she was just uh, on holiday. I think she was reading a magazine and there was an article about Terry Lovelace. She said, oh, it's a really bizarre story, isn't it? She said, I thought of you because I wondered whether you'd know about it. And I said, well, yep, we've literally published our podcast on it an hour ago. Good grief. Well, it makes me think we're in a simulation something going on right mm. <laughs> like a, like i said it's almost like i kind of came on today i thought oh, i just no one's gonna believe any of this rubbish they're just gonna think we make it up as we go along but honest to god that is a true true jot just one of those things weird coincidence that we have on well i'm having on multiple occasions i'm starting to worry about my sanity 
That is that is really strange. That is really strange. So did that uh, sort of discovery of that story did that change her views in any way? Uh, she she just said it was weird. Now the other thing that's really weird is she's a uh, she's a dental nurse. Mm. Oh, she, implants, implants. Well, uh, uh, for those, it depends where you get your podcast, but we always do a separate. We always do a separate cover for each episode, mm. and I just I used an X-ray photo, and uh, she said, "Oh yeah, by the way, where did you get that dental X-ray from?" And I said, "Oh, it's just a, a kind of image that I searched out." I said, "Oh, I didn't realise it was a dental X-ray," and she said, "Yeah, yeah, I've been trying to figure it out. I've been trying to work out. They've also they've got some issues with their incisors. It looks like two x-rays put on top of each other i said she was just curious about the image but i thought that was another slight coincidence that she happens to be a dental nurse and i used an image you know i could have used an arm i could have used a leg because actually a leg is where terry lovelace is but mm, i mm. came across that image uh and it was a royalty free image and i thought oh i like that image i'm going to use that on the cover so uh, mm. uh, that's that's even that's a smaller job but still weird that she is a, a dental nurse and that is a dental x-ray i didn't even realize it was i imagine she's going to be taken by the greys at any moment yeah, i know she said she was a bit freaked out by the whole thing mm. <laughs> and wanted to stop talking about it which i, I guess is fair oh, enough i'm not i'm definitely not surprised yeah well that is amazing. I do hope she's listening because, you know, it just helps. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, I'm not friendly. Sorry, I'm just going to finish off this point just so everyone's care. We're not actually friends on Facebook or any social media. So there isn't some weird algorithm that's linked me that she might have subconsciously seen an image that I used or, you know, got the words Terry Lovelace from it. She, she's She's not part of social media. So it was a complete surprise to her. That A is amazing, and B, every time you say Terry Lovelace, it just occurs to me, you know how we're all supposed to be named after things that our ancestors did? Yeah. Is he just named after an ancestor that really loved doilies? I mean, how... Or, or was really good at tying up shoelaces. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, but maybe, 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 maybe that was, maybe that's true. Maybe it's a doily thing. <laughs> Terry Doily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Terence Doily. Yeah. Um, I suspect you're probably wondering what I have brought to the mysterious table this week. Yeah, I, I'm. Sometimes I know the topic. Sometimes I haven't got a clue. I'm quite. I'm. Uh, I'm quite looking forward to this week. So I, I have no idea what we're talking about today. Okay, so you know that I have recently been on holiday in North Norfolk. and I, I, I do that. Old, uh, old Alan, Alan Partridge over there. Exactly. And on the way home, we stopped in at uh, my partner's uh, parents' house, or father's house at least. And he lives in a place called Long Melford. And Long Melford, if you live in the UK, it's famous for a show called Lovejoy, but that's at least 25, 30 years old. Not, not Lovelace. No, no, no Lovejoy. Yeah, oh God, what did his 
Yeah. Oh, he's made up. It doesn't matter. He's made up. He's made up. Yeah, he's a fictional character. Let's not get too yeah. made up on it. But just down the road from Long Melford is what is billed as Britain's most haunted house, and it's Borley Rectory. Or right. I should say it used to be Borley Rectory because it burnt down, and we'll get on to that. But there okay. is still the church there. And this is still like Borley Rectory. It's the, uh, I suppose it's used often in uh, scripted dramas. It's used often in books. And there is a very famous researcher who looked into Borley Rectory, and that is Harry Price. And it's his book that I'm using as source material this week. And how... Harry Price has been, we've mentioned Harry Price before in the episode mm. we did on Jeff the Talking Mongoose, right? That's right, that's he right. Was, he was a major paranormal investigator, right? Yeah, yeah, Third, he was. In the early in the early 1900s. That's right, that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and and the, he actually coined the phrase, the most haunted house in Britain. Just to give you a bit of a backstory, Borley Rectory was constructed on a place called Hall Road by a gentleman called Reverend Henry Dawson Ellis Bull. And try saying that after you've had a couple of pints. <laughs> and, th- and that was in 1962. And um, he moved in a year after being named rector of the parish. And the house itself was built on the site of an early rectory that was destroyed by fire in 1841. And uh, Borley Rectory itself was eventually enlarged um, because Bull, he had an unbelievable 14 children. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you go about doing that, but, um, well, I do. I've got an idea, but 14 children, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. He was, he was obviously hung like a bull. <laughs> Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Well, that's obviously that, where that, he gets his name that's from. That's where he gets his name from. Yes, yeah. yes. Yes, uh, and there's a thing called a bull's pizzle, but we won't we won't go down there. No. Um <laughs> but th- this rectory, it was really badly damaged by fire in 1939 and demolished in 1944, but we'll we'll come back to that. It has been alleged to be haunted ever since it was built and those reports and we'll come on to some of those earlier reports but it's worth knowing that they multiplied and in 1929 the daily mirror got involved and again we keep coming back to how newspapers have played a really significant part in the sort of the uh i suppose the making famous of various uk sites and this this sort of like makes you you know makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up a little bit in terms of well they're in the business of selling newspapers so we should perhaps be a little bit careful but it was the daily mirror that got harry price involved and then he wrote two books about the whole thing if you go to borley today if you follow the signs to um, Borley, and if you look up Borley Rectory, what you'll actually find is a church which is still there. And if you go into the church, as I have done, you'll find that they've even got a leaflet about the ghosts 
um, within the the sort of I don't know what you call an entrance to a church. I'm not a religious person. I guess the I would say foyer, but um, whatever it is, what, <laughs> I'm when, pretty sure it's not foyer. <laughs> is it not whatever foyer? It, or maybe it is. The reception. I don't know. There you go. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but this church served like a pretty scattered rural community and that community is made up of three hamlets that um combine the the parish and from the very outset before we even get to the building of the latest um Borley rectory that was demolished there were ghost sightings knocking around so there's a legend of a Benedictine monastery that was supposedly built on this site in about 1362. And according to the legends, there was a monk from the monastery who had a relationship with a nun from a nearby convent. This seems like a familiar story, right? Yeah. It's got a monk and a nun. It's, it's like the perfect storm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It sort of feels like the start to every horror movie. Yeah. Um, but the, apparently their affair was discovered, the monk was executed, and the nun was apparently bricked up alive in the convent walls. Oh, wow. um, it, it's worth saying, because the, it's supposedly seen the, the, the ghost of the nun right. in, the, in, in the churchyards, but as part of the investigation into the hauntings of Borley Rectory, it was confirmed in 1938 that this has absolutely no historical basis whatsoever. Right, pure and folklore. It's pure folklore. And it's also thought that the rector's children had something to do with it because, um, you know, he's got 14 of the fellas. And <laughs> apparently it was about, you know, that there's a lot of... At this time, you know, we're talking about that, they're reading new romantic books. You got your Bram Stokers and stuff. There's quite a lot of, you know, folklore around this sort of theme. Goth- gothic literature, really. Yes, exactly. Gothic literature. And the rectory itself is incredibly gothic. And it did make me think, you know, listeners, uh, uh, excuse me for making a side note, but it did make me think about... Um, 30 East Drive, where we have the Black Black Monk who was supposedly shoved down a well for very similar reasons. It it just seems like a massive horror trope. But aside from that, Price went in and he was there on behalf of the Society for Psychical Research. Now... I'm going to I was I was toying as to whether to say it now or later but we will go through some of what price says. Yeah. But largely the Society for Psychical Research the SPR rejected many of the so-called pieces of evidence that price brought to the table. Right. And it really this case really questioned price's credibility. There's, there's a number of reasons why. Just before I go into those reasons, I just want to sort of point out that this case was so part of the sort of the zeitgeist in society. The BBC made a show investigating this in 1956. 
but they cancelled it due to possible legal action by one of the residents, uh, the one of the previous residents of the of the rectory. And wow. again, in 1975, the BBC did another investigation, and this time they in they used uh, famous ghost hunter Peter Underwood. But so so you can see it's been attracting attention for a long a long time. But let's let's just go back and look at some of the recordings of the haunted experiences around there. So the first paranormal yep. event occurred apparently in about 1863 and a few locals apparently remembered having heard unexplained footsteps within the house at about that time so this is obviously in the previous rectory and then yeah. in 1900 four daughters of the rectory this is uh, of the rector sorry this is henry bull again saw what they thought was the ghost of a nun at twilight close to the house apparently they tried to talk to it but it disappeared uh, as it got closer and then the local organist make up your own jokes <laughs> Ernest Ambrose later said that the family at the rectory were very convinced that they'd seen an apparition on several occasions and various people claimed to have witnessed a number of puzzling incidents and these things include a phantom coach driven by two headless horsemen why they're headless I have no idea. And then uh, that continued apparently over the next four decades. Bull himself died in 1892 and it was his son, Reverend Henry Brackett, Harry Foister Bull, he took over. In 1927, Harry Bull died and the rectory became vacant again. And in the following year, the Reverend Guy Eric Smith and his wife moved into the house. And soon after moving in, Smith's wife, while cleaning out a cupboard, came across a brown paper package containing the skull of a young woman. Now, this is where my sort of um, paranormal spidey sense kicks in, because I think you need a reasonable amount of knowledge uh, and, and very particularly anatomical knowledge to know that uh what a, the skull of a young woman looks like but i will yeah. i will leave that there and also <laughs> at that point i'm not really caring whether it's a male or a female um skull right i'm just thinking i've just opened a cupboard and found a bloody brown paper bag with a skull in it <laughs> that would be well, enough for me <laughs> well well i think i think that's the thing and uh, and also even like, because obviously men and women do have different shaped heads, how would like if it, if you showed me a skull, I wouldn't be able to tell you whether it was a man or a woman. But that aside, I wouldn't be able to tell you if they were young or old. I mean, yeah. I th this is where again all the evidence starts getting murky and it's tricky. Okay, well let's go with but it. Let's go. With I'll, it. I'll, yeah, we'll go with it. Um, shortly after this, the family reported a variety of incidents, including the sound of servant bells ringing, despite their being disconnected, lights appearing in windows, and unexplained footsteps. Also, his wife believes she saw a horse-drawn carriage at night, so this, there's this repeated so thing of the, the horse-drawn carriage. Yeah. yeah. 
And so it's at this point, this is where we hit Harry Price because it's then that they contact the Daily Mirror and the Daily Mirror gets in touch with the SPR and then everything else evolves. Um, and also, I just want to say at that point, because my first thought when you said that, when you think of it now, you think, oh, well, you get into contact with the paper and kind of a newspaper in today's society that's almost seen as a red flag isn't it but it I, is. I remember when we did the jeff the talking mongoose case around this time you know newspapers investigating this thing was was almost uh, a mainstream affair wasn't it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. my first thought was oh well, there's something dubious about them contacting the daily mirror or the paper but Actually, around that time, it probably wasn't that such a weird thing to do, right? No, no, it wasn't, because there was probably nowhere else to go. There's obviously, there's no internet, there's no phone cameras or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But the the thing that I hadn't appreciated until I was looking into this case was that Price was an expert conjurer, and I didn't realise oh, that. that. Yeah. So, yeah, so he's he's a magician, and... All of the things that are reported by the family there, so things like spirit messages, um, stones being thrown, footsteps, Price comes in, does an investigation, and he publishes this book called The Story of Borley Rectory, The Most Haunted House in England. Now... (sighs) I, as part, you know, doing due diligence, I ordered the book. You can still get it on Amazon. Uh, it's It shows its age because it's, it's, it's 1938, but, um, you know, it's still very readable. But let's just have a little look at some of the things he says because I think this might tell us more of a story. So... At the outset, I can say there were loads of people who were suspicious of his investigation. But I think when you read the book, it's almost like he's trying to make a case for something paranormal. He, to me, doesn't feel very agnostic about the whole situation. And the first sort of um, paragraph that stands out to me is... And, and I'm, I'm going to um, paraphrase now because it's quite long. But he talks about how the displacement of a matchbox to the extent of only a single millimetre is just as miraculous and just as interesting as the appearance of the nun herself. To the layman, the latter phenomena would be more spectacular. So what he's actually saying there, he's setting up that if a matchbox moves a tiny amount, this is the same gravitas as a full-body apparition of a nun. That's what he's saying. Remind me to never go to any of his, his magician shows. Right, going to be exactly. a big disappointment, right? See, the matchbox moves, didn't it? You saw it, right? Yeah, where's, where's the... Can you make the Eiffel Tower disappear? No, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So he also goes on to talk about um, something called the Marianne messages, and I'm going to come on to those in a minute. Okay. But he, he also, like, it, it's the phrase that he says, 
And and when we talk about them, uh, you can judge this for yourself. But he says, if this is not proof of paranormal activity, I do not know the meaning of the word. But if we talk about other things that he thinks are paranormal, so I pick these out of the book. One of the things uh, that he says, so there are there are he 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 basically gets forty eight observers to come and. Um, spend a few days in the house and there are, he describes these two gentlemen who are locked and sealed in the house and always kept together and they hear a inverted commas scrabbling noise and he says well perhaps the entity was trying to write some more brackets notes um, another mystery that he says is obviously paranormal and I will I will give him this it's quite weird. Apparently at the end of the garden there's a bramble thicket and the bramble thicket was disturbed and under the bramble bramble thicket was um the skeleton of a cat that had been buried for 30 years and this was um dug up. And 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 he says, you know, this is this is obviously paranormal. When you say dug up, just literally it become exposed rather than yes, somebody had become dug exposed. It up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that would freak you out, wouldn't it? Bramble bush, yeah. freaky enough as their own. Looking through the brambles, cat skeleton. You've got me. You got me there. Yeah. 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 Um, but my favourite quote from him in the whole book is where he describes that one of the visitors to the house finds a bag of coal and this bag of coal weighs 50 pounds. 50 pounds. And he says no other explanation than a paranormal one. And I, yeah, I sort of read that incredulously and go, come on. I mean, if you saw it appear in front of your eyes, fair enough. But what, they just found a bag of coal. Well, no, there's a there's a bag of coal in the house because that's what they're using to fuel the fire. Yeah. One of them is unusually heavy, and apparently that's paranormal. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to one of his shows. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. Can you imagine, like, Paul Daniels going, aha, that's much heavier than you would have imagined. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all. Ooh, a heavy bag of coal. <laughs> and and this this is and this is where the whole thing starts to to be honest, smell a bit fishy. So later on, another family move into the house, and the female of the family, she's called Marianne. Mary Ann, Emily, Rebecca, Shaw. They move into the rectory and her husband, who is the rector, Lionel Foister, makes an account of the paranormal activity that he sees. And this is where we talk about the Marianne notes. So this is a direct quote. He says the word Marianne was at one time found written on odd scraps of paper. And Lady Whitehouse suggested we should write, what do you want, underneath one of these, which I did. The next day there appeared what I read as pest, but which Marianne read as rest. It might be either, I think, underneath. While on another piece of paper appeared Marianne help me, 
I wrote how underneath that, but no answer was given. Now, that all sounds really interesting. And all of the those notes are recorded in Harry's book. And there's, right. there's actual... I, it's very hard to tell whether they're actually images or um, artistic reproductions, but right. they're, in, they're in there. And, and also it is very difficult to tell whether... Um, the the responses are real or just scribbles but and i think this is key when the reverend and mrs foister left the rectory those messages stopped appearing and again this is one of those things where you go uh-huh okay so some people move in, mysterious notes happen, again people start alerting the press. Oh, it it doesn't you, you know, they go away. Those notes remind me um while you're talking about it, they remind me a bit about the real story of Annabelle the doll. Mm-hmm. That was what was going through my mind because they were I don't think they were responding to them or the 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 two women who lived in the apartment were leaving them out, but they'd come back and find notes written about them or just with words and stuff on. So, yeah, well, I, I, that was going in my head while you were talking about yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's particularly curious when somebody moves into a house, notes start appearing, they're not in the house anymore, and they stop appearing. Yeah. In February 1939, there's a new owner for the rectory, and he's a Captain Gregson. Unfortunately, when he's unpacking boxes, he knocks over an oil lamp, and the fire quickly spreads around the house, and it's massively damaged. During the fire, this is interesting, during the fire, there's a, uh, a reference from somebody called Miss Williams who's living in the nearby Borley Lodge. And she said she saw the figure of a ghostly nun in the upstairs window. And according to Harry Price, this Miss Williams demanded a fee of one guinea for her story. So, you know, we can put that to one side. And then weirdly, in August 1943, Price conducted a brief dig in the cellars of the ruined house and he discovered two bone, two bones thought to be that of a young woman. Now, who thought that they were that of a young woman? I would say that they are Price because they were given a Christian burial in a place called Liston in the churchyard because the parish of Borley refused to allow the ceremony to take place on account of the local opinion that the bones were those of a pig. So... Once again, we've kind of got the intervention from somebody who usually when I tell these tales and I say, well, nobody has anything to gain here. Harry wrote two books off the back of this and he's being paid by the Daily Mirror. So I think this is pretty dubious evidence and uh, a little bit... uh, I don't know. I think it smells a little bit. And then during my research, I found 
Okay, so there is more to this story, and it probably isn't all that meets the eye. So in 2000, in fact, 31st of December 2000, The Guardian published an article about a book called We Faked the Ghosts of Borley Rectory by somebody called Lewis Mailing. Mailing, I'm going to say Mailing. And uh, they were, it, that house, that rectory was the second home for them until its destruction in the fire in 1938. But he says for the first time, the hauntings were created by the rectory's various inhabitants. He described, he says, how they watched in amazement as the world fell for their elaborate hoax. So, for example, he describes when um, he was staying with the Foisters, the couple had installed a new water heater, and this water heater apparently emitted heavy knocking sounds. And although that the couple proclaimed themselves horrified by the noises and pitted the skirting boards with phosphorus powder, which catches fire when exposed to the air, it turns out that it was literally just a water heater. The couple also encouraged him, apparently just as a teenager, to walk in the gardens at dusk in a black cape with a turned-up collar, giving birth to the myth of a headless monk who took to writing cryptic messages on the walls. Now... And I think this is the this is the real killer because, you know, one would say, well, if if there are writings appearing on the wall, you know, how would you explain that? And he says, well, probably to save costs at Borley, and and Borley is probably like it's like maybe forty miles from the sea. Sea sand had been used in the walls in place of the regulation material. This caused a permanent dampness which swallowed up anything written on them in a matter of hours. So that means if you write something on the wall, it will it will disappear because of the moisture, and then it will reappear yeah. when that dries out during the daytime. So that gives wow, the impression okay. of uh, you know of, of mysterious kind of writing. writing. Yeah. yeah, but again, a little bit like the Cottingley fairies and all of these things, many scholars recognise the wall writings as being genuine poltergeist activity. So yeah, you're kind of left with a story of... It, it, it reminds me of um, the Amateurville horror. It's like the, the, the substance of it is doesn't live up to the reputation and the stories that are told or you would think so after i have presented this story to you here i was convinced that somebody would have made an investigation into this and would have a different view to this very skeptical view and obviously because we're the quantum mechanics I take a agnostic view. But this clip that we're about to play comes from a BBC documentary made in the early 80s, long after the rectory has burnt down. And as you will hear, there are still peculiar things happening. 
So take a listen to this. Since the demolition of the rectory, an orchard has been planted on the site. But this doesn't seem to have removed the cause of the hauntings. For a wide variety of noises have been heard there, including raps, a panting dog, the sound of smashing crockery, and heavy furniture being moved about. And it was here that the investigators had a very odd experience indeed. And here again, it was moonlight. The funny thing is that most of the time things have happened at Borley, there hasn't been a full moon. Uh, this time we were in the garden of the bungalow. Uh, there's a small fence which runs along by the side of the bungalow, which separates the ground of the bungalow from where the rectory was. We were stood there, very, very quiet, and all of a sudden we heard this thudding in the rectory grounds. It was kind of thud, 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 and a most peculiar sound which we couldn't account for at all. And then we saw the, the fruit trees are growing actually where the rectory stood. The fruit trees, the branch of the fruit trees moved. Uh, and there was no wind at all. It was absolutely still. But the most remarkable thing of this uh, was that something came to the fence and it was an almighty thump. And that's the only time I've ever seen my colleague Roy here step back. At first we, we thought it might be some animal or wildlife that was moving about. So we, we threw stones in the, in the vicinity of the sound in case it was an animal hoping it would scurry away, but this didn't perturb it at all. It just carried on in the general direction towards the fence. And then, as it came towards the tree, this tree seemed to shake about a bit. So we looked down to see if anything was down there. We saw nothing, and then there was this great big bang on the fence, and that is when I stepped back, thinking, what is it? Is something going to come over? Yet we saw nothing at all. Oh, uh, another, another peculiar thing. Now, this wasn't for moon. This was, uh, it was misty. It was a very misty night. Uh, this was somewhere about three o'clock in the morning, and we were all concentrating on the walk. When all of a sudden we heard voices, actually girls' voices and men's voices, and there was laughter and merriment. But somehow, we didn't think much of the time, and in fact, one uh, of the team said, oh God, there's somebody coming in the roadway at three o'clock in the morning. So with that, we went down towards the roadway, and there wasn't anybody about on the road whatsoever. This documentary, it it shows there is still stuff happening there. So my thinking is, I wonder whether, and maybe this is very similar to Jeff the Mongoose or whatever, there is a phenomena happening there, but to attract the attention of the press and maybe make something more of it, whether it's for monetary gain or attention or whatever, it is embellished by the people that are there because it is strange that account there, which there's only, you know, a couple of minutes of, and that BBC documentary is very old, but it isn't, that doesn't come from a time when people were making, you know, making things up. And it's very possible that it yeah. was made up, but you know what I mean? It, they say, it seems honest. Yeah, it seems honest, and like and like you said, it's not like, you know, back at that time of Harry Price and all that, where there's this, you know, it was big news, it was massive stuff. This, you know, the paranormal, and uh, you know, it was it was blurred with entertainment in a way, wasn't it? It was supernatural and entertainment. Yes, I thought what was interesting. So they'd gone to investigate the site. Uh, uh, did you say that was in the 80s? 
Yeah, yeah, early 80s. What, what, what really struck me was, it's funny, because we've, we've already talked about, you know, the stereotypical monk, and we've talked about spooky nuns and headless horsemen and all that kind of stuff. That account is the one that was chilling to me, that you're in this place where there used to be a building and now it's, you know, a, a fruit, fruit tree forest or whatever, and mm-hmm. they're hearing chairs moving and crockery smashing and they're, you know, the, the account of hearing almost partying going on and there's no one around and it's three in the morning. Reminded mm-hmm. me a bit of the bit of the shining, you know, the the ballroom scene in the shining. There there is something about those sounds and activity that out of sight or out of location of where it's supposed to be, let alone the fact that they're hearing these kind of huge bangs and trees are shaking and all that stuff and they're jumping backwards. Something mm. about that kind of ambient out of place sound that I don't know, is as creepy as a stairway in a wood. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I absolutely do. But also, when they were talking about that party, it did make me think of when we were talking about fairies and this um, this allure to a fairy party. Yeah. And again, like I keep saying this, and I'm almost boring myself, but it's like... <laughs> These phenomena feel like they are connected. This yeah. is like I re- I don't I don't understand how or why or what the mechanism is, but we know when we were talking about alien abductions and we were talking about fairies, we spoke about the similarities between them and if you are enticed into a fairy party, if you take if if you partake of the food you're either stuck there forever or if you don't eat it, it turns into leaves and dust in the morning. Yeah. Again, these guys are talking about hearing the sounds of fun and laughter. And yet it's on a haunted site. I completely get that or, or, or a supposedly haunted site. But if everything else was made up and, you know, we don't really know, then what is it that they're hearing? And, and we have to boil this down to it's either it's nothing and it's just a figment of their imagination. Yeah. It It is something that is haunting the site, which, you know, has become disconnected from the house that has burnt down. And, yeah. you know, that's that's possible. But it also feels like it would remove the stone tape theory of of what's going on or it's something else it's a trickster it is a you know something from fairy lore that is bringing them in and i think that i think the themes of that and what we've talked about and i think a lot of people you know as soon as you mention fairies they're like you're away with the fairies but i think a better description of it to me is and even the trickster spirit we've done but it's the mischievous nature of it. Do you know what I mean? That the cliches of horror stories and hauntings are your monks, are your, you know, lights in the window, you know, all that, all the stuff you talked about earlier. 
mm. is mm. right down the line of the cliches. Whereas when we've talked about, you know, fairy law stuff and weird stuff that happens in UFO sightings and and stairs in woods and all that stuff, it's the surreal, yes. mischievous nature of yes. it, which I yes. don't think he really comes across very often in uh, either fictional or true uh, coverage of true events when you look at horror or the paranormal because I think people, there's almost, the whole genre becomes a cliche of you've got to sit at home and be scared and and be chilled. Yes. You know, chilled to the bone. Whereas actually a lot of what we've come across or seen or looked into is just, is just mischievous and surreal. Mm, yeah that's true and you know nothing is more mischievous and surreal than jeff the mongoose and yeah perfect example yeah uh, and that again like you know that's that's probably now we talk about it more accurate than the fairy stuff but it's there is something going on which like if if we're talking years and years after the house has burnt down and we're talking about the sounds of a party coming from a hedge, there's, like I say, there's really only very few explanations. One of them is that the researchers are misguided and if we can discount that, yeah. then the next one is that ghosts are real but they the stone tape theory isn't real and there are some ghosts there that are still partaking in parties in what they believe is a house and that is what is happening in the hedge yeah and and the only other place you can go to as you quite rightly say is that there is a surreal trickster element to this and whether that element is an entity that is deliberately trying to mess with us, or it is, you know, almost, and I I hate to say it because I keep going back to it, but it's a glitch in the code. And the the WAV file has become disassociated with the, the you know, the object that it was was connected to. It's interesting that the, the code... The, the glitch in the matrix code code thing I think is interesting in this case because it's I was wondering is the activity happening because they are there now I you I guess people who would say that's how spirits work they need some energy to feed off but it also reminded me of the kind of glitch in the code you know if you're playing a computer game and you go somewhere you're not supposed to you know, i.e. you're in the middle of a, you know, an apple tree forest at three in the morning with tape recorders or whatever you're doing trying to find ghosts, you know. Is there a programmer somewhere going, oh, shit, we've not really, we've not really planned for this, you know what I mean? And it does kind of screw up with the code in some way. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed, yeah. Uh, I think I think that's exactly right, and the whole frustration with this, 
like it's like the episode that you led on the frustration of mysterious artifacts i think this boils down to it because the problem is that the people who are reporting these things are obviously sorry not obviously but are generally not uh doing it with no subtext so they're not impartial and you have to so so when you go back from that you go well what what prompted you know a supposedly religious family to talk about a haunting and maybe it is it's it starts with something that happens and then there's a realization that well you know maybe there's some money in this maybe there is you know something else that we don't understand in this and so even the smallest little hints of some paranormal activity get turned into something much bigger and i think you know we've we've seen that so many times or whether whether it was completely manufactured and there was there was nothing happening there but these people were kind of either bored or wanted a book deal or whatever it is but that's almost like if you put that aside and you go well you know harry price what was he talking about there but then you forward wind you know 40 years or maybe 45 years to that bbc documentary and there's these people who are reporting these incidents that they're seeing is it almost like there's a thought form doing this is it a tulpa or again like i go back to it like maybe there's something else which is orchestrating all of this and it doesn't require a building it doesn't require anything else it just feeds off people's misapprehension and their inability to understand what's going on i don't know or 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 the other one that we've talked about previously about you know somehow their belief at three in the morning in that orchard made something happen that they made it happen i don't mean as in faked it but as in yeah yeah created something that happened yeah 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 it becomes a tulpa yeah but i think that i think the wider point that i think is interesting about this and again we tend to have these moments of finding themes on the podcast that we kind of prod away a bit and I, I do think this theme about the kind of ridiculous nature of a lot of this stuff is really interesting. Because I was thinking about, you know, your Daily Mirror and your Harry Price and all that. You, I'm not saying this is what happened, but you can almost see him going back to the, the Daily Mirror at the time and saying yeah, there was this weird kind of party going on, you know what I mean? And yes. covering all this fairy stuff. And they go, and they go, well, we don't, what about, we want a headless horseman? Yes. You know, we want a, we want a, we want a nun and a, and a, and a monk. That's, that's what, that's what it's about. That's what people want to read about. Yeah. Yeah. And Completely. I think it's, it's a similar thing when, when we do the podcast, you know, it's, it's, it's why a lot of, a lot, not all, but a lot of podcasts, or and especially a lot of uh, documentaries on the subject, do take a stance and just stick with it, because it's almost like 
you know, does anyone want to hear the other side of it? Do you, you know, you know what I mean? You either want to be a skeptic and go, oh, well, it's, you know, Harry Price, he was a magician and he's just set the whole thing up to make a few bob out of the Daily Mirror. Or you want to go, no, there is something truly weird and paranormal going on that it's what it's why we started this, wasn't it? So that, you know, there is a middle ground and what's wrong with looking at it from both sides? It doesn't diminish anybody's belief system, you know, to put forward a different argument to it. No, 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 it absolutely doesn't. It really doesn't. But what what if, you know, the way you say that makes me think, well, if there was, and we we always talk about the trickster, and I think probably the reason being is because it's sort of like a really helpful explanation for a lot of these things, but what if the trickster makes people who are very earnest and honest hear one thing and people who it knows are making other things up, what if it, it taunts them with even more bizarre phenomena and then what you get is people accusing other people of lying going well all, all i yeah. heard was yeah. just some noises in the hedge and other people yeah. are like well no I, I i saw chandeliers dancing in the middle of the trees you know well, that- I, I, and it reminds me a bit actually you said you could think about that a different way actually because while we were talking i was thinking back to the jeff case uh uh, and I remember Christopher on that episode, who was our guest mm. on that episode, talking about Harry Price was peed off or, you know, was upset that Jeff didn't come and perform for him. Mm. Mm. And, and and when you were just talking then, it made me think he... But he did to... I can't remember the guy's name. There was a, there was a kind of guy who was a bit more earnest and a bit more open um, and not so egotistical, maybe, and that Jeff apparently showed himself to him. And, and I do wonder if that might, in, in the thread of what you were just talking about, maybe if you're Harry Price and you've got your cheque from the Daily Mirror and, you know, you want all this stuff and you're desperate for it to happen, maybe for your own ends, what would be the ultimate that a trickster spirit would, could do? Show you nothing. So you have to make something Show up. Show you nothing. Yeah, yeah, quite right. But actually, quite if right. you're three guys in the 80s when nobody's interested in that story who's in the middle of a orchard of where this place went just to kind of see if there was anything going on there there's something kind of earnest and and yeah not desperate about it that it goes yeah why not i'll show you yeah 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 i completely agree i completely agree and you know this conversation is going to continue until we end this podcast in 20 years, but... <laughs> or when we I, come back as ghosts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it'll be the world's first EVP podcast. <laughs> yeah. But it, it does make you think that if... Yeah, what you were just saying there, I'm trying to, I'm trying to assemble my thoughts, but it, that, what you said there absolutely resonates amongst the idea that... Um, is a alien abduction the same as a fairy abduction? Yeah. Is is a haunting the same as perhaps a visitation from you, you know a, a bit like um, the similarity between a full apparition of a spirit 
and perhaps a Vardiga, you know, those sorts of things. So yeah. the Vardiga, you know, being fairly, uh, you know, friendly and not impinging, you know, all of these things that come together, you just go, how, how do they fit together? And, and the fact, you know, building on that thought that you said, the fact that these things tend to work within cultural boundaries. Like we did speak a few weeks ago about how leprechauns manifest perhaps in different forms in different parts of the world. You yeah, know, and like, how fairies are regarded in, you know, a different way in, you know, Iceland or, you know, Scandinavian countries. Yeah. And, yeah. That's that's right. Yeah, yeah. So so you you Tommy Knocker in Cornwall is perhaps something more malevolent in uh, North American culture. Yeah. And, yeah, it does, it it comes together in a way that is almost impossible to put, I, I, like, you can't write a, a paper on it because it, it, none of it really makes sense. And maybe that's the point that none of it makes sense. Yeah. But, to bring it back to the the story of today, I would say Borley Rectory, super interesting to go and visit the church. As I say, the rectory is not there. But the yeah, church you, is so, there. so you went there quite recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and did you did you get a vibe from it? No, did you, no, nothing. No, 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 no. no. It, it and it is a tourist attraction. Like yeah. I do, I do. I think the weirdest thing about it is that a Christian church is giving away ghost leaflets. I think that's yeah, a, yeah, that's, that's, that's a weird thing. But I appreciate it. it, it. it, it well, it, it is weird that kind of that intertwining. I guess historically, there's been so much intertwining with you know the paranormal and religion, and it, it's it's almost carried on even in modern day culture in terms of movies and um and fiction but yeah it is it's an interesting it is an interesting connection that mm, mm. yeah well it, i i was trying to find it but years and years ago when i got i guess it was about 15 there was um a presenter on a local radio station uh, called GWR, which is in a uh, a part of the country in the UK called Wiltshire, and uh, he was called Dave Barrett, and he used to do like a phone in show, and he did a live show from Borley Church, and it again he's dead now, and it I can't find the recording anywhere, but he claimed to have put a recorder in the sort of the the vestry in the church and left it there and on the radio they played what was an evp of very clearly something saying um the phrase there are spirits around you and i remember listening to that like probably in like maybe 1990 maybe 1989 and thinking, okay, that sounds really convincing, and being very, very eager to go and visit um, the the Borley Church, but 
like my parents weren't really into the paranormal right. and wouldn't drive me halfway across the country so I could go and look at a vestibule. Fair but enough. um yeah, is fair enough. But but I I don't know whether that was a a thing or not, but like I I feel I see, like in that scenario though, if we go with my theory, I would believe it more if mm. the message on the tape was Oh God! I've left the coffee on. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, mean? I, which would I be do, completely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. No, I see exactly what you're saying. I see exactly what you're saying, and uh, the the uh, I, because the idea of somebody, it, if there are if there are spirits haunting that, we have to agree that they died before the rectory was built. So we have to go back pre 1800s. And you're quite right, because what we're then saying is that a modern-day radio host places an audio recorder, which to somebody from the 1800s would look like a very peculiar little, you know, bizarre thing, and it's unlikely they would understand what it was that it did. And then for that spirit with whatever power it has to say there are spirits around you into that audio recorder seems like a massive leap of faith it seems like they would have to understand that this thing that was placed there would record their voice however their voice comes out and i just don't buy it i like it's literally like us dying now and 300 years in the future where there is some sort of device that implants a hologram in someone's head. It's like we're going, oh, yeah, we know we understand it plants a hologram in their head. We're just going to dance around and do a ballet because we're going to haunt them with some kind of weird ballet from 300 years ago. It just just, None of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. And that's where I go back to, yeah, I'm just going to land on... Glitching the code or trickster. That's that's where I'm on this. Yeah, I don't. I just <laughs> we're at it again, aren't we? As we go on, I just get more and more confused. To be honest, yeah. You know the more I mean? you look yeah. at it, the more weird it gets. Yeah, I know. I know. They. I know. The the famous saying is: the more you look at the paranormal, the more it looks back at you. And I, yeah. I wonder whether some of the jots are true about that, but. I think that the the one that really is the more you look at it, the less you understand it. You mm-hmm. know, and I, you can see why, as a bit of as we were talking earlier, you can see why people do come down heavily on one side of the fence or the other, because it, it it in a way it's the only way to make complete sense of it. Yeah. But, is not going to mess with your head a little bit. Yeah, oh, well, I think that's a massively good point. Yes, that is true. That is very true. Because unless you Uh, say, yeah, I believe in ghosts and there's something weird and that's how I deal with it, or you say they're all crazy and it's, you know, superstitious nonsense, mm. the the middle ground is not such a comfortable place to be, I think. Mm. Well, also, like genuinely, genuinely, this happened the other day. I was talking to somebody that I don't know very well in um, in the pub, 
and we got on to talking about this podcast and he said i don't believe in ghosts but i saw one and i sort of did a double take like what, what do you mean he was like, oh, I don't believe in ghosts, but I did see a ghost. And then I said, well, tell me about your experience. And and he described seeing um, this this apparition that um, walked past him and he thought it was weird because it wasn't making any footstep noises and then turned around and it had gone. And I said, well, how, how I- can you... Well, I, I said, how can you say that you've seen a ghost but not believe in ghosts? And that question stumped him. And and he's he's a very, you know, it seems a very level-headed, decent person. But I think it comes back to I what 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 he means by I don't believe in ghosts is if I accept that that was a ghost, I have to accept a whole load of additional reality yeah. which has no rules that we understand around it. Yeah. And therefore it is better to live in the reality where I say ghosts don't exist, monsters don't exist, aliens don't exist, none of that happens. Mm. What exists is Tesco's strictly come dancing and having to pay for car servicing and everything else beyond those things is too difficult to understand. And I don't blame them. I'm not saying that they're, you know, a small-minded, terrible person for that. It's just that, like like I've found, and probably you found, you find yourself when you wake up at four in the morning um, because there's some pigeon on your roof stamping around and your brain starts whirring and it suddenly goes, do you think we're in a simulation? And the other part of my brain goes, could we not talk about that now? It's four in the morning, I wouldn't mind sleeping. And the other part of your brain goes... Yeah, but, you know, it's just some code. We could probably go in and edit it. And, <laughs> yeah, and the and other then, part of your brain goes, can you keep the noise down in that orchard? I'm trying to get some sleep. Exactly. There's a bloody party going on over there. Would you mind not? <laughs> and, and, and for me, I think one of the... And people often talk about this. If, if animals see stuff... I and again I like nobody really understands animal consciousness but the thing that really freaks me out is not me waking up at sort of four in the morning and worrying about those things because I can put them aside by you know listening to the orb or something but the thing that really freaks me out is if I wake up at four in the morning and my dog has got the his hair standing on end and he's barking into the corner of the bedroom and then you just go well yeah, i'm out of here luckily yeah, see, i don't get that because my dog barks at anything even <laughs> his own reflection he just goes <laughs> he just goes off it, it doesn't affect me anymore I, I i just wanted to come back to one thing because yeah i there's something you said last week um, on the podcast that we did about Terry Lovelace and mm, uh, alien mm, implants, mm. that's really struck w- stuck with me all week. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was saying, why do they take people who are not going to be the president of the United States or the head of the CIA? Why would why would you take a biker or a trucker? You mm. know, he's just driving and stick an alien implant. And you said, and it's really struck with me. It's like, well, does a pigeon know? 
mm. why it's been tagged or a dolphin or whatever. And I, that's really struck, stuck with me a week because, you know, th- that's another theme that I just keep thinking about all the time. That, um, And I think uh, Melanie said it when we did that episode with uh, our listener about her sleep paralysis stories. Mm. That it, that, uh, but she's, she, her analogy was about sharks who can sense stuff that we can't sense. And it did make me think all week of just there are these things that are just that could be just outside our conscious perception of them that are just existing all the mm. time and going on all the time but you know you know like an ant looking at the moon we just we can't we can't process or deal with it and sometimes a little bit of the reality of it does seep through to us in a way that we process in some bizarre way and we just see it as something bizarre but there is something there Mm. yeah i think that makes sense i think that's exactly right and that's a different theory isn't it that's not that's not code or parallel universe no no ghost it's just there's some shit that's going on out there that we can't or are not able it's outside of our sensory perception and sometimes a little bit of it leaks through and we don't know how to deal with it I mean, it doesn't even have to be outside our sensory perception. It has to be out of our conscious perception. Yeah. And it it's like we know we know for a fact that, for example, the like bees see flowers differently and they're on a mission to do something. We see flowers as one thing, bees see something as another. Yeah. It, moving that on, we know that like as dog owners, I know my dog is absolutely conscious he might not have an understanding of politics or anything like that but he has an understanding of like you know fairly sophisticated understanding of reality including and i think this is remarkable if i point at something like if if i've dropped a treat and i point at it he'll look over and go to it and i think that's a remarkable thing because it means my dog understands what my finger point means which i think is extraordinary yeah but we think that we understand you know i think we're pretty i don't really know what the word is i but but as as a species we think like not only are we the pinnacle, but if we don't understand this, it doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got another one for you on that same mm. thread. Yeah. Um, I was listening to the radio this week, and there was a, a story about... That's not f- paranormal. <laughs> no, it wasn't paranormal. It was Radio 4. Um, <laughs> there was a story about hoverflies. You know those ones that look a bit like wasps? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. They so pretend that, to be dangerous, don't they? Yeah, exactly. But they, they've discovered that they migrate south really yeah for um for for the good weather so when it gets winter here they actually migrate and they've discovered that they migrate using the sun as a kind of point of reference so they know to keep flying south and when they fly south they do it pretty much in one go i don't know how far they go um and when they come back, they do it in little stages. So they kind of they, they, they follow the weather back. But they use the sun as their navigation point. And on this point that we're talking about, 
if you're a hoverfly, what do you think the sun is? You have uh, no, yeah. You have no comprehension that it's a you know a ball of yeah of gas or you know fuel that's up there that the planet that you're on is circulating around. You've got yeah. no perception of that. It's just this thing that helps you navigate south. So what do you that, think it yeah. is? That's that's right, and and as interesting as that is the fact that somehow through the species that that remains a driving force in their brain, yeah. and and I think that is equally as fascinating because obviously it's an evolutionary thing. So at some point there was a hoverfly or an ancestor of the hoverfly that thought, oh, well, I'll go south. And it survived better than the other hoverflies. And then other hoverflies followed it. And then the thing which evolution hooked onto was, oh, well, you know, we'll follow the sun. And then that was passed down through genetics. That's absolutely insane. It is bonkers. Um, and it's it's making me laugh we must be the only paranormal podcast on the planet who's managed in the last three weeks or last three episodes to cover sharks pigeons um hoverfly and dolphins like guys thank you for listening if you've made it this far please (laughs) please post hashtag hoverfly and yeah. we really appreciate it. it yeah, the, it, this you saying that probably means it's probably time to um, wrap this up. But that was a really interesting conversation. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was going to say we strayed off topic, but I don't think we do. I think the point is, if we leave you, you know, with a point about. The other way of looking at it is this thing's outside of our understanding or perception or senses or consciousness, I think is the better way that you described it. Yeah, just think about that, what a hoverfly thinks the sun is, because it's really important to it. Yeah, I I agree. Wow. (laughs) That is... uh... we we rambled about a bit like a hoverfly over different flowers, but <laughs> that was, that was, it was really interesting. That was super interesting. If any of you got a different idea to what we be go- might be going on at Borley Rectory or life in general, uh, let us know. Yeah, or, or, or what we're going on about. Let us know. Or what we're going on about. <laughs> um. Before we go, I just wanted to uh, mention someone. I just wanted to mention a guy called Kentucky Judd who left us a fantastic review. He says, great stuff. I've been hooked on these great guys since last November. I love not only the wide range of topics, but the friendly banter back and forth. I may not catch every episode right away, but when I have the time, I binge and catch right back up. Keep up the good work, gents, from the state of Kentucky. Oh, thank you. I love uh, your chicken. Oh, it's lovely, that right? That's so nice. I yeah. tell you what, it's funny because we keep we keep saying like and review, don't we? And mm-hmm. we say because it really helps us. I, I just quite like re- I quite like reading them. So yes, yeah, so thank you, um, Kentucky Judd, for that uh, lovely review, and thank all of you who leave us nice messages on 
uh, Facebook and especially those who do reviews. Thank you very much. And we will be back next time with another episode of the Quantum Mechanics. Yeah, it means a lot that you're there. See you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Quantum mechanics.